calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is of gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello, my name is Rodney Sullivan. I am head of publications for CFA Institute, and I'm joined by Jason Zweig, columnist for the Wall Street Journal. We are here today to discuss a new book that Jason and I co-edited called Benjamin Graham, Building a Profession. And Jason, I thought we'd begin by talking a little bit about the origins of this book. Uh, I traced the genesis of this book to a conversation that you and I had a few years ago. We were talking about Benjamin Graham and his many contributions, and in particular, his contributions to the Financial Analyst Journal over many, many years. And in fact, the very first article that Ben Graham contributed to the FAJ was in fact the very first, in the very first issue of then the Analyst Journal in 1945. And the article was a call to the profession to create a professional designation. And he called that designation the QSA for Qualified Security Analyst. And it turns out that some 20 years later, the CFA Institute administered the very first CFA exam. And that exam can be traced back to Benjamin Graham's efforts uh, to, call to, our, to call to our profession um, the, uh, the creation of such a designation. And he didn't just call for that designation in that one article and then write off and do other things. He continued to beat the drum over many, many years mm -hmm. until it finally happened. And then even after the exam was first administered and, and charter holders were created, he continued the idea of building a profession and what it means to be a professional mm -hmm. investment person. So I wanted to get your thoughts on the genesis of this book and what, it, what do you believe it meant to Benjamin Graham to be an investment professional? Yeah, um, it's a great question, Rodney. You know, uh, Graham was born in 1894, and he came to Wall Street in 1914 as a very young man, a very accomplished and brilliant young man. And, you know, the 20s and 30s, which was really the peak period of his career, was a time of incredible ferment and turmoil and turbulence on Wall Street, but also in society as a whole. It really was the time, at least in America, when the belief in the scientific method first started to percolate through society as a whole. And in the 19th century, the notion of the scientific method was really alien to most Americans, regardless of what profession they followed, what they did for a living. And Graham was very familiar with uh, the scientific literature in Europe as well as in the United States. and. Um, was mathematically brilliant. And in the first article that he wrote for the FHA, which, as you mentioned, we've included in this anthology, he really, his, it was really a call to turn financial analysis into something like a scientific field. And if you look at the first edition of Security Analysis, which he published in 1934, on the very first page, 
he uses the term the scientific method. And really what Graham was driving for was to take what had been sort of a guild of loosely affiliated people all trying to do the best they could to figure out what securities were worth into something more like a valid profession that followed rigorous, consistent methods in its practice, the same way medicine would do, or law, or accounting. And that's, that, I think, is really what he was driving for at the beginning. To move more from a trade into a real profession, like maybe CPAs or, or physicians. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the other critical element that I think um, CFAs themselves may never have forgotten, but a lot of people elsewhere in society may have neglected, is that from the outset, Graham insisted that ethical principles and practice were at the heart of the definition of a profession. So that a profession is not only a required system of education and work practice, but it's also a standard of ethical conduct. And he was very rigorous about that from the very beginning. That leads me right into the next thing I wanted to talk a little bit about, which is fiduciary duty. Um, As we discuss in our book, um, Ben Graham's wisdom went far beyond, I say, merely articulating uh, the fundamental principles of modern security analysis. Another thing that he felt very strongly about was that people serving in a fiduciary capacity must put their clients' interests first and foremost. And thus, investment professionals not only have uh, a security analysis process, but also a very high level of integrity. And he spoke about this idea throughout his career. And I wanted to get your ideas or your thoughts. Yeah, I think uh, one, of the, one of the things late in Graham's life that he's often quoted about today is the growing belief he had um, that he started expressing really in the 1950s and repeatedly talked about in the 1970s, shortly before he died, that security and detailed security analysis had lost some of its utility because the markets were more efficient than they were in the teens and the 1920s and the 30s when he got started. But he never dropped the idea that financial analysis was useful. What he did in the late decades of his life is he spoke over and over again about the vital importance of taking the same principles that you would use, you would apply in analyzing securities and redirecting them to analyze clients. And in effect, you you would now determine things like intrinsic value, not so much on securities, but almost on people. And that ethics was very much at the core of that kind of analysis. And Again, Graham really was vigilant about urging people to treat clients fairly and to conduct all their business principles um, beyond question. And there's a wonderful interview with Charlie Ellis that we include in this book that discusses just those elements. Um, A final question or another question that I'd like to ask you about is, given all of that and given the state of the industry today, what do you think... Ben Graham would think about the state of our industry. Would he be um, would he would he be pleased or would he be displeased? Yeah, it's a really good question, Rodney. I don't 
I, I think all we can do is, is speculate. speculate. And as we both know, Ben Graham wasn't very fond of speculation. He much preferred investing. <laughs> um, but we can, we can speculate on this. You know, Graham, uh, even after the excesses of the 1920s, which of course was the most devastating market period anyone had ever seen until what we've been through the past 10 years, uh, Graham was pretty positive and optimistic about, about Wall Street. In fact, he said several times that he felt the character and the conduct of people on Wall Street was at least as high as it was in society at large. And, um, you know, I, there, I'm sure there are a lot of people who might disagree with that view today. But I think if Graham were with us now, what he would focus on is not a broad gauge criticism of the financial profession as a whole, but rather asking how can we improve the weak links and um, how can we help people who are trying to do their best to do a little better. And and I'm going to speculate again and I'm going to think about a couple of things. In 2003 in the U.S. we had the mutual fund it's often called the market timing scandal or the rapid trading scandal. And consistently what you saw there in the emails that investigators disclosed was that the people on the front lines, the lower level employees and the mid-level management, all knew what the right thing to do was and what the wrong thing to do was. And they all hesitated to do the wrong thing. And they kept bumping the decision higher and higher up the corporate ladder until it reached the corner office where senior management said, do the wrong thing because we'll make more money that way. And again, you see it in the subprime crisis and the mortgage derivative problems that have been exposed in the past two or three years. You see people on the front lines often trying to do the right thing and being overridden um, or countermanded by the people above them. So fiduciary duty is not just an individual responsibility, but it's really a function of the culture of the organization and the leadership. Yeah, uh, there's no question about it. And I think, I think if I could hazard a guess, I think that's what would trouble Graham about what has happened in the past three years and in the past decade, is that the people who should know better did nothing to stop it. And, you know, if I can just finish with one final thought, there's a wonderful old story um, about the invasion of Naples um, in, I think it was the 10th century, by um, soldiers and sailors from uh, the Muslim world. And uh, the king of Naples came back from having made an expedition somewhere and found that the city had been overtaken. And after he drove the invaders out, he called the um, leaders of the community together and said, how did this happen? How did the enemy get within our walls? Because it had turned out that the city gates had been thrown open. And um, the, le the leaders of the town said, well, forgive us, sire. Um, this was carried out by foolish men. And the king said, what were the wise men doing?
And I think that's really, that's really the problem in what we've seen over the past few years is not the conduct of the people we would expect to behave badly, but it was the conduct of the people we should have had the right to expect well that really got us into this problem. So we need a wise fiduciary culture. We do, and I think by looking to Graham for advice, you can, you can get a long way there. Are there other comments or ideas that uh, you would have? Well, I think one thing that, that, that I would want to ask you about, actually, is, uh, as you'll remember when we edited the book, um, Graham comes back again and again and again to um, the question of, of dividend and cash policy as being the linchpin of the relationship between management and shareholders. And, um, you know, I, I think my own personal view is that even today that, that aspect of corporate governance is still underappreciated by a lot of professional investors. I mean, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, there was an article that we published in the Financial Analyst Journal a few years ago by Cliff Asnes and mm-hmm. Rob Arnott, and it said, surprise, uh, right. <laughs> high dividends yes. matter. Yeah. Or, or I'm paraphrasing, of course. Right. Um, but it does appear that dividends enforces a discipline mm-hmm. on management to handle their investments very wisely. Right. And I think that dis- dividends is a proxy for, for that process. Mm-hmm. And I think it does, it does matter a great deal, and it has been shown throughout uh, in the empirical literature that dividends matter a great deal and not just that one paper, but in a variety of, of others. Right. And so I would agree with that. I think dividends certainly matter a great deal and causes us to pay a great deal of attention to them. As usual, Benjamin Graham was there 70 years right. before anybody else. Jason, thank you very much for thank your you time, attention, and your dedication to our profession. Yeah. Thanks. My pleasure. Copyright 2010, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.